0: When I was a kid, back in the 1990s, there were a handful of toys that I remember. But one stands out in my memory above the rest. Beanie Babies. Do you remember those things? They were these cute, cuddly little toys that were shaped like different animals. They had limited editions. The company that produced them would only release each model for a limited time, and then stop production in order to make room for new designs. And people love these things. Now my family never got into the craze, but I think there were even one or two in our household. Check out this old news clip. Here's a quick lesson on this beanie craze. A company called Ty makes them. Releases them with different names. They're all named after something, an animal, an animal, basically. They haven't done like funguses. Then retires them one at a time. There's. Snort, seaweed, Jabber, Jake, when they're first released, you can get them for about $5 to $7. Once they retire, the value goes up. In like two years, there was like $245 and stuff. He's worth about $4,000. The interesting thing about Beanie Babies was the massive amount of speculation that developed around it. It's now often cited as the very first internet craze ever. I mean, Beanie Babies, they were bought for often just $5 or so, but then they were oftentimes sold to collectors for far more money, often much more. It wasn't unheard of for Beanie Babies in the late 1990s to sell for over 10 times their initial retail price. But how were people able to sell their Beanie Babies once they bought them? You see, the Beanie Baby craze led to a need for an efficient way for enthusiasts to complete their collection. And online trading was the answer. Hence, Beanie Babies quickly became the dominant product on a new site called eBay, as collectors thronged eBay's user-friendly interface to search for specific Beanie Babies that they wanted. So are Beanie Babies a good investment? (laughs) No. But do you know who made a lot of money off of all those transactions? eBay shareholders did. Let's get it. Right. (laughs) Welcome to the Stock Stories podcast. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host and stock storyteller. On this show, we decode the business behind the stock in order to help you make better investing decisions. We also learn about mental models and investing principles in order to complement stock analysis. Yes, thank you so much for joining me today. And on this show. not only are we decoding the business behind one stock or two stocks or 10 stocks or 100 stocks we're studying the entire s p 500 and today is no exception we're going to be going through another company in s p 500 and just really digging into it trying to understand where it came from what it does what are the prospects going forward for us as investors and i hope you really enjoy it I put a lot of heart into what I do and if you've been listening for any length of time you know that and I just really hope you enjoy today's episode that I have prepared for you. So without further ado let's get into a discussion of eBay. Let's go. eBay was a classic dot-com bubble company. It was an internet startup from someone's home. Essentially, the idea was to take the concept of the auction and put it online. And it worked. It was better because the items were not limited to a local market like a typical auction was. But how did this whole thing get started? Back in September of 1995, Programmer Pierre Omidyar launched a company called Auction Web. And really, it was just a website. It was a site dedicated to bringing together buyers and sellers in an honest and open marketplace. And he did this because he wanted to create a place online where buyers and sellers could come together. And, you know, nothing like this really existed around this time period I mean this was the 90s the internet was just starting to grow only about one percent of American households actually had access to the internet now the first item ever sold on eBay was a laser pointer now this wouldn't have been that big of a deal but this was a broken laser pointer astonished and thinking that the buyer might have made a mistake Pierre called up the winning bidder just to make sure they knew what they were buying the person on the other line explained that they were, in fact, a collector of broken laser pointers. <laughs> this was the aha moment for this business. People don't just want to buy and sell certain things, they want to buy and sell nearly everything. That's because people have infinitely different interests and want to collect or own so many different things. At first, the service was free, but then due to the high demand, Pierre started charging a small fee to sellers in order to use the platform and nobody objected to it. In 1997, Pierre changed the name of the company to eBay and took the company public in an IPO in 1998. It was just growing so fast that he quit his day job to dedicate himself full time to it. And then things started happening. People were buying, people were selling. Now around this time, Beanie Babies was sweeping the nation. And because of the limited supply of Beanie Babies in retail stores, a secondary market online began to flourish. People who had never used the internet before were going to eBay to buy and sell these children's toys. It was a huge source of revenue for them, and it was an important part of eBay's early success. In fact, In 1997, Beanie Babies accounted for 10% of all of eBay's listings. Now, the company grew massively as more people wanted to buy and sell things over the internet. Now, similar to Amazon, eBay became a marketplace for buyers and sellers who wanted a large number of things. The major difference between the two businesses, however, was that Amazon focused initially on books and then expanded to other product categories from there and they also sold items at a set price, which was admittedly a very low price. eBay was a little different. It was an auction house online, so people could fuel the price of items up or down depending on the demand. By the year 2000, eBay had over 12 million registered users. Millions of items were bought and sold on a daily basis. Then the tech bubble burst. Thousands of internet-based companies suffered and went bankrupt. Now eBay, however, survived and it only grew stronger. You see, the demand for its platform only continued to grow. People still wanted to buy and sell things online. Unlike many other tech companies at the time, eBay had real revenue and real customers, and it was still growing fast. Now, eBay made several acquisitions over the years, including companies like iBazaar in 1998, which was a European competitor, PayPal in 2002, and Skype in 2005. Now, PayPal was a payment processor that was integrated into eBay's website, and Skype was a phone application that used the internet to make calls. Both of these businesses are still around today in some form, but at the time, eBay owned both of them. Now, eBay later spun off PayPal in 2015 and sold most of its interest in Skype in 2009. Hey, it's Alex. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Stock Stories. Consider joining Stock Stories Premium. It's essentially a private podcast where you can listen to the entire archive of the show, always ad-free. And in addition to that, I'll be providing bonus episodes, bonus stock stories for you to listen to. And these are companies that you won't find in the S&P 500. These are other companies that offer interesting opportunities for potential investment. And I promise to always do the same due diligence and level of analysis that I do with all of my stock stories. So you can be assured of that. So consider joining Stock Stories Premium. You can find out more at StockStoryTeller.com. Again, that's StockStoryTeller.com. Thank you. So that's the basic history of eBay. But what about the business overview today? Today, eBay is in many ways the same business that it was back in the early 2000s. There's still a leading e-commerce website that connects buyers and sellers in an online marketplace. The way that eBay makes money is by taking a portion of the seller's revenue when they sell an item. And they also make some money on advertisements too. But fees account for about 90% of eBay's revenue and advertisements only account for about 10%. Now this wasn't always the case. Just a few years ago, advertising revenue was closer to around 14% of sales. So over time, fees have started to account for more and more sales. Over the past few years, though, fee revenue has also been going up on an absolute basis too, not just percentage-wise. So that's something to keep in mind. So how much business does eBay do? Well, in 2020, it had $100 billion in GMV, which stands for gross merchandise volume. Well, what is this gross merchandise volume and why does it matter? Well, it's the total value of the goods that are bought and sold by the company. So it's not the amount of sales that they had or the amount of profits that they had, but just the amount of stuff that they were able to sell using their platform. And this is indicative of how much people are actually using the service, which then ultimately feeds into the revenue and then later the profits. So speaking of how much of a cut eBay takes, how much of a cut do they take? In 2020, they made about 9.3% of the total GMV. Now, to me, that seems pretty good. They're taking 9 cents out of every dollar of items that sold on eBay. In 2019 they got about 8.8 percent and then a year before that in 2018 it was just 8.2 percent so over the last few years they've gradually increased their fee percentage now sellers may not be super happy about that but nonetheless they're making money right they're making money as well as eBay when people actually buy things on the platform So now that we've looked at the business overview a little bit, let's take some time to understand the numbers at a high level. So let's look at the financials now. Now, as we always do on this show, we're not going to look just at one year of data because that doesn't really tell us much. We want to know how the business is trending over time. So for the sake of comparison, I pulled the financials from 2012 versus 2020. So an eight year period, Now, of course, things were distorted a little bit because of COVID and how that affected many businesses, but we'll see some patterns here over the long term. So I'll be comparing 2012 data to 2020 data. So first let's look at the sales. How much money does this business make right off the top? Well in 2012, eBay had just over $7 billion in sales, so already a pretty big business. And then in 2020, that number increased to over $10 billion. So some decent growth there. I mean, they're growing at about 4% a year as far as sales go. Now let's look at the income. How much profit did the business make? Well, in 2012, they made just under $2 billion. And then that increased to about $2.5 billion in 2020. Now that's about a 3.5% rate of growth. So not that impressive, really. But now let's look at the earnings per share. Earnings per share went from about $2 per share to over $3.54 per share. Now, this is pretty high, right? Relative to the sales and income growth, it's about 7.5% rate of growth. And that was helped in a big way during the pandemic because in 2019, earnings per share was just two dollars and nine cents so almost unchanged from that 2012 figure so we see how the pandemic has helped this business now let's turn our attention to the balance sheet the balance sheet of a business tells us the assets versus the liabilities of the company and assets that's just how much the company owns and liabilities is how much it owes it's kind of like the net worth statement of a business So the amount of cash that the company had in 2012 was just over $9 billion. And then in 2020, that number has decreased to under $4 billion. But then I looked at the most recent filings that were filed literally just this month in August of 2021, and that cash number has increased to about $6.8 billion. So the cash amount, it kind of fluctuates up and down for this business. This seems like a business that does a lot of buying and selling of other companies. So that can distort the numbers here. But now let's look at the debt. How much debt does this business have? Well, in 2012, they had just over $4 billion in long-term debt. And then in 2020, they had about $7.7 billion. So a modest increase in the debt levels there. And then let's look at the cash flow for this business. Cash flow is the amount of money that actually comes into and goes out of the business. Now, the operating cash flow, this is how much money the company actually made in the course of its operations. So in 2012, they made $3.8 billion. 2020, that number is actually lower, $2.4 billion. So not a really good look there, (laughs) especially if they made so much money in revenue during the pandemic. You would think their operating cash flow would be much higher, but yeah, in a historical perspective, they're not really making more money here. And then the investing cash flow it fluctuates a lot so i won't even really go into those numbers in detail but the financing cash flow has changed the company made or raised about 1.9 billion dollars in financing cash flow in 2012 whereas in 2020 they had almost six billion dollars in financing cash flow go out of the business now what is this financing cash flow mean. Well, this is when a company does things like raise money through issuing new shares of stock or they borrow more money or they pay back money or they pay out dividends. Those kinds of things fall within this category. Now, speaking of dividends, let's look at the dividends. And remember, dividends are cash that are actually paid out to you and I as shareholders. In 2012, well, The company didn't pay a dividend and the company didn't pay a dividend for a really long time in fact ebay just started paying a dividend to its shareholders in 2019 and that amounts to about 64 cents per share so pretty small dividend but it's something nonetheless that they're now giving to shareholders now let's look lastly at the shares outstanding remember how we saw a few minutes ago how the net income of the business went up from about two billion to two and a half billion but the earnings per share went from two dollars per share to over three dollars and fifty four cents per share so there's a big difference there well that can be explained by the shares outstanding this company had 1.3 billion billion shares outstanding in 2012 and guess what now that number is just over 700 million so this is a company that's been buying back tons and tons of stock over this past several year period in fact when I ran the calculations eBay has been reducing their share count on an annual basis by over 7% per year now this is unusual this is not something that most companies do. And because they've been reducing that share count so aggressively, their earnings per share number has gone up a lot. Even though the earnings by itself hasn't gone up that much, the earnings per share has gone up a lot. All right, so now let's try to put these things together. What are some other ways that we can look at the business? Well, one question I had when studying eBay was by thinking about how many people are using the platform, I saw the growth in revenue, I saw the growth in profits, and I thought to myself, okay, this is a business that is growing, but it's not growing that fast as far as dollars go. How about users? Let's look at the number of users on the platform. How's that going? And so I looked in the annual report some more, and I saw that in 2012, eBay had 112 million active users now that's both buyers and sellers on the platform and so i wanted to compare this number to today how many people are using ebay today and ebay has about 200 or so million active users now that's both buyers and sellers also now that's a growth rate of about 7.7 percent annually about seven yeah around seven or eight percent annually and that's pretty good That's pretty good, right? Like if users are growing 7% or 8% annually, that seems like it would be a pretty healthy business. But when we look at the sales, the sales of eBay itself has only grown by about 4% and the income has only grown by about 3.5%. So what's going on with this? I mean, this probably means that even though people are using the platform more, well, I shouldn't say that, more people are using the platform, maybe they're not using the platform as much as they did. Maybe they're also selling on other sites, like maybe they're selling on Amazon, or maybe they're selling on Etsy, or maybe they're selling on other marketplaces like Craigslist or something, or Facebook Marketplace has also popped up in recent years. So there's more competition now as far as marketplaces for stuff. (laughs) And eBay doesn't have the same monopoly on the market that it did way back in the late 90s and early 2000s. So I think that that's a factor there and why we may be seeing sales only growing a little bit and profits only growing a little bit. So now let's look at the stock price. Well, in 2012, eBay stock was trading for around $20 per share or so, somewhere in the low 20s. And now it's trading for around $73 per share as I record this in late August, 2021. So if you had bought the stock back then and held on, you would have made a lot of money. You would have made over 17.5% annual return on your money, not including dividends. And you know, I saw this, and I just started scratching my head, like how did this happen? How did this high return scenario happen? What was it that caused eBay stock to shoot up to more than triple its price over an eight year period? Did sales massively increase? Nope. Did profits massively increase? Nope. What about earnings per share? Yes, since 2013, eBay's management has been aggressively buying back their company stock at a rate of over 7% per year. And that is what has led to this massive increase in the price of eBay stock. Now, what about the future? Now, my concern here for you and I as investors is that we cannot pay for yesterday's returns. Now, as I record this in 2021, the stock price is around $72 per share against earnings of $3.54 per share. Now, this is unusually high because of the pandemic giving the stock a price earnings ratio of about 20 times earnings. Now, 20 times earnings is a rich valuation to pay for a company growing at just 4% per year. Now however, Wall Street doesn't really care because this is an internet stock in the age of COVID that has great earnings per share results. So that seems to be what Wall Street cares about. But looking deeper, I think something else is going on here. Looking at the recent financial results, I actually started to get confused because I saw that eBay appears to be trading at a price to earnings ratio of just four. I mean, if you go to Google right now and just type in eBay, you'll see that. Now how could that be? Is it something related to the earnings? Did they spike for some reason? So after investigating and looking in the most recent quarterly report, which is called the 10Q, I looked at the August 2021 data and I found my answer. Now in the first six months of 2021, eBay earned an incredible $16.52 in earnings per share. But if you look more closely, only $1.27 of that comes from continuing operations. Now, what happened? What happened is that eBay sold its classified business this summer to a company called Ataventa, which is based in Norway. Now, as part of that transaction, they got some shares of the company and they got some cash. They immediately then sold the shares that they got to raise more cash. So they totaled around $15 billion in net gain. So eBay just got a bunch of money, basically. And they did it by selling part of their business to another company. So if we assume that the second half of 2021 will be more or less the same as the first half of 2021, $1.27 per share from continuing operations would double to $2.54 for the whole year. So, how much would that put eBay at as far as valuation goes? Well, that would put eBay's current price based on those earnings at a PE ratio of about 28, which is very rich. <laughs> if this was a business trading at 10 times earnings, I might be interested because there's this huge stock buyback program and the business is consistently profitable. Now, that said, this is not a business that's growing very fast. They buy and sell many other businesses, but honestly, as far as their acquisitions go, none of them has really seemed to move the needle for them. The pandemic surge was a one-time event, and so was the sale of the classifieds business. eBay has returned great money to its investors over the past decade, though. But you can only squeeze so much juice out of a lemon before it runs dry, right? Now, eBay isn't growing sales and profits in a way that it needs to, if it wants to sustain its dividend growth or share repurchases. It's just using up cash and gradually increasing its debt. The core economic engine of the business, in my opinion, is losing steam, particularly after PayPal was spun off several years ago. So I'd be interested in a low valuation, but I'm not interested in eBay right now. I just think it's too highly priced relative to the earnings power of the business. And this is an important point for you as an investor is not just about the earnings itself of the business. It's about the earnings power. How much money can this business make going forward? Not just how much money has this business made recently or how much money has this business made in the distant past? No, you and I care about what are the earnings going to be going forward? And though I think management has been shrewd in a way in buying back tons and tons of stock, They're just not raising enough money in order to do that consistently. I mean, the debt is going up, the cash is going down, the revenues are kind of meh. So that's kind of what I think about this business. eBay, very interesting business, but I can't help but wonder if their slow growth is a signal that they've lost their competitive edge in a rapidly changing marketplace. So that's what I think about eBay. Thanks so much for listening to the Stock Stories Podcast. I'm your host and stock storyteller, Alex Mason. This show was written and produced by me. Sound design done by the incredibly talented Janelle Leon. And also, thanks to the lovely Selenia Caraveo for helping keeping things running smoothly behind the scenes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. The way that this show grows is if you like it and genuinely like it so much that you tell people about it. So let's work together to help other investors learn about great businesses and buy stocks smarter. If you like this episode and want even more, maybe you want to listen to all of the stocks in the archive or you want bonus content such as episodes on stocks not in the S&P 500, consider joining Stock Stories Premium. This is where I put my absolute best investment ideas and thinking, and where we explore more companies. Check it out at StockStoryteller.com. Again, that's StockStoryteller.com. So, thanks in advance for sharing the show and considering becoming a premium subscriber. I really appreciate it. Until next time, what's your stock story?